0: This Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, editor in chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome to our listeners. Joining me today for episode six and the last episode in our power skills series is Dr. Corinna DeBrain. Dr. DeBrain is, of course, a registered counselling psychologist with more than 25 years of experience behind her. And we certainly have enjoyed recording this series, focusing very much on the skills that we need in this day and age in order to cope with the world around us and especially post-pandemic. Today's episode is really exciting and one that I think we all need a bit of guidance towards. And we're really focusing today on how we're going to adapt or how we're needing to adapt to a hybrid world of work. So welcome,
1: Dr. Karina. Thank you so much, Kiran.
0: Fantastic. So tell us now, in your experience working with organisations, are you finding that hybrid workplaces are indeed the new normal or are we starting to revert
1: back to the way it was, perhaps? Mm. Yeah, Karen, the the pandemic has really pushed most organisations into um, a a new way of work. And many organisations have indeed implemented a hybrid work model where a a part of their workforce continue to work on-site while others will be alternating between working on-site and working remotely. Um, But, of course, we know it's not possible for all industries or all job roles. But we do see a trend internationally and locally for remote work to continue past the pandemic, um, specifically then for those industries and and the roles where it is indeed possible. If we look at some survey results, um, a study that was done by uh, Microsoft um 73% of the global workforce have indicated that they would prefer to uh, prefer to keep on working remotely um after the pandemic so that was in 2021 the um the, the results there um and then in another study we saw that almost 50% of employees um that had been born after 1980 would consider leaving their current roles if they weren't uh, um, allowed to continue working remotely. That was, that was a, a Bloomberg um, wealth study. And um, we also saw that 83% of employees believe that the shift to re- remote or hybrid work has been a successful one. So um, specifically, many organizations saw increases also in productivity among the remote workforce, as well as an increase in their bottom line. But um, having said this, we also have to be aware of the fact that um, remote work and hybrid work has really become uh, polarizing between employers and organizations. Um, Some who consider it to be a very acceptable new normal and those who consider it as having um, a severe negative impact on the culture of the organization and the innovation that needs to take place in the workplace. So many managers are quite hesitant to um, actually embrace the shift to to flexible work arrangements. Um, Whether we say it's a new normal or whether it's not a new normal, um, you know, there's, there's still this polarity. What was quite interesting is that although many organizations do work in a hybrid fashion, towards the end of 2021, McKinsey reported that Around sixty-eight percent of organisations still had no plan or a detailed vision in place for for hybrid work. So it's easy to think that hybrid work is just a combination of you know working a little bit in the office and working a little bit from home. But on a practical level, it's important that organisations need to realise that a one-size, is, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation here. So mm. so managers need to be um, upskilled. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, of of thinking that needs to go into this before a an organisation actually fully embrace this um, uh, hybrid model of work.
0: Absolutely, because I think there are many benefits to be had, but from an organization's perspective, a lot of those benefits are in a, benefits that the employee receives. I mean, there is, there is a few to the organisation, but from from their perspective, you know, if they lose if they lose that sense of community, if they lose that innovativeness, you know that that is generated within the walls of that organisation. You know, it, it's it's hard for them to to kind of get back to that. Coupled with a lot of leaders perhaps not having you know their struggle as it is to to lead within the the bounds of an office, um, to to develop some of the skills they need to to now develop or to to lead appropriately in this hybrid world of work. It's quite a big transition, right? What are some of the other challenges that we're facing as as
1: we transition to this mode of working? Um, like you mentioned this, that that's this hybrid fashion of uh, working in hybrid fashion has many benefits to employees, also to teams and the organizations, um, specifically for um, experienced employees in defined roles, where they know what exactly what is expected of them and um, where they form part of a team that they trust and they can easily turn to when in need. But uh, yes, there, indeed there's a number of challenges and in a very recent article, um, a business tech article, a number of issues were highlighted. Um, for example, um, uh, remote work is often very difficult for new employees in jo- um, that join a company, especially when they are inexperienced and relatively young. So so they they don't understand the culture of the organization. Um, And also often, you know, with these new employees, we have to have mentorship programs, but the the results or the impact of the mentorship programs are often put into question, where these new entrants often have to manage the uh, interaction with, with the mentors. Remote or hybrid work is much worse for building new teams, new teams that need to take on new tasks. Um, there was a 2021 survey by Microsoft and Berkeley University where they looked at the um uh, anonymously of course at 60,000 employees messages and chats and they found that the number of messages within the teams grew significantly as people tried to connect with clients and so but the information sharing the the the, the real core of 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 connection also in their business environment that actually decreased. Another challenge is people usually um, communicate with pre-existing teams, but they are far less likely to connect with new employees in other teams. And we also know that across teams, there's a lot of information sharing that needs to be uh, needs to take place, um, specifically also for for um, innovation and new knowledge creation. Um, And maybe a a last point, but which is maybe closely related to that is um, remote work is worse for generating new ideas. In another study um, among many, uh, 1,500 engineers, they looked at the brainstorm effectiveness of virtual teams and in-person teams. And the results of this study showed that engineers who worked virtually created fewer ideas. And external assessors also rank their ideas as significantly less creative than those of in person teams. So, clearly, um, for, for new knowledge sharing, or knowledge sharing, new knowledge development, creativity, um, all those kinds of things, that's crucial for organizations to, to keep on surviving in times like these. It seems as if very often the the face to face in person um, interaction is is much more is much better.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's partly also because we have a lot of tools at the ready to use to help us create almost similar kind of spaces, but we're not we're not all that well skilled in it, and I think it goes back to your earlier point: organizations are. Are kind of leaping into these trends, perhaps without taking the time to really sit back and and unpack that why before the how. So we're kind of just going straight to the how, and not understanding what is it that we're wanting to achieve with these kind of things. You know, what is the kind of conversation, and then looking at perhaps other tools that could facilitate that and could be employed in this hybrid world of work. So it's almost it's almost as though know organizations are needing to to step back first and and define you know the why of of how they're going to do this what is important you know why are we innovating and then look at the how and then look at the tools that they're able to employ
1: yeah and you know what happened is i can't remember the dates but it's like on the on the 29th of march in 2020 we realized okay now um, you know that the country is closing down and the next day we had to continue working. So many many organisations were agile enough to to quickly move over to working in a remote space or delivering their the services in a remote way. But um even in in our own organisation, the other day we were telling one another that yes, we've got a lot of processes and procedures and process manuals, and all those things worked perfectly well when we were in the office, and we we just You know, thought okay, let's we we've got these processes now. We just do everything online, but we we have to go and sit and think. How are things different now, and what's the impact of this um this the way that we work on the organisation and also on on the people specifically?
0: Absolutely, and I think I think I think I remember I wrote an article on this because when we. It, when it, when the world shut down, essentially we had the systems in place. Organisations were ready a long time ago to dive into this hybrid world of work. But where we lost the traction is we actually forgot to take people on the
1: change journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've got to go back before we can move forward. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of the the, the the impact of hybrid work is is very often seen in individuals and um, very often that impact on individuals and their wellbeing is being overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so maybe, maybe sp- spend a little bit more time also considering the, the employee, the individual that's working for you in the organisation um, when, when, you, when you come up with a plan in terms of how you're going to work um, going forward.
0: Absolutely. It's it's that design from that perspective, you know, what is the team going to be benefiting from? What is the organization benefiting from? But what will be what makes the difference to the actual individual doing the work and how do they like to contribute? And
1: and often we don't pause to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, absolutely not, because it's it's you know, it's bottom line and we have to make mm-hmm. sure that business runs smoothly and um um, yeah, spending too much time pondering these things, uh, some people regard it as a waste of time, but it, it, in, in actual fact, we need to sit down and, and strategize around that.
0: And that it leads me to another point that I, I would like to get your, your view on. But, you know, since we've transitioned and since the world has found that there is another way and individuals are reluctant to, to go back to the old ways of working. And it, indeed, what I think has happened is we, there's been this massive value shift where people have suddenly realized or I suppose almost we had a, a, a an existential crisis in mass going through that, where we really sat back and suddenly had this time to to question what we valued in life, what we enjoyed spending our time on. And it was just that that break from the hamster wheel mm. that kind of just put things into perspective. People have fundamentally shifted going back in and they, they value themselves more. They value their time more. And we're seeing this playing out in things like the Great Resignation. And uh, how are organizations, if they are not willing to, to look at people at least on the same level as profit, because it would never be people above profit. Mm. But if unless those two things are on par, how are organizations going to attract
1: and retain talent? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, we, you know. But, in what we are reading these days in the literature and what we see in the market is that um, uh, exactly what you are saying, that that people have um, uh, decided, you know, this is what's important for me, this is what I value. And we very often see that people that, um, especially uh, uh, the younger generations, they will quickly move from one organisation to another if they don't um, get the, uh, you know, when their needs are not met but I think in terms of getting the right talent, it's I think um, it's still important to make sure that the organization has a very good understanding of their values and what they value. And then also when you do when um, uh, um, you appoint new people in the organization, it's important to also make sure that there's an alignment between their values and what they need from the from the um, organization and, and from the workspace. But it's also important to to, uh, have discussions with these people when you have the the onboarding um, to make sure that they exactly know what is going on in the organization, what is expected, what's the goals, um, especially Mm -hmm. in terms of clarity, you know, get clarity on what what is expected. So, yeah, it's it's not an easy task to to, um, get people on board in Mm a context like this. Absolutely.
0: And I think this is where, again, organizations should really just pause. And, you know, even though we know how busy it is with insight, but this is a great avenue that perhaps external help can be sought in order to to help them kind of, you know, take stock before moving forward at at pace and actually having to sit through the consequences of some of these decisions that are going to be made in too much of a hurry.
1: Absolutely. You know, and. If if you if you do appoint um, new employees and you don't see them on an on an everyday basis, or if you don't see them every day, um, it's it's very hard to also gauge as to how are they doing, what's happening. So one really has to, with your onboarding and with your management structure, you have to make sure that there's a lot of communication, a lot of connection. Between between the new people and um, also trying to to create um, opportunities for mm. um, new people to to move into the team to connect with the team. Absolutely.
0: Now, Karina, take us through some of the skills and particularly particularly the power skills um, that a, a leader or, or you know people within a team. Would really need or the skills and competencies that they would need to kind of drive sustainable performance within the hybrid workplace?
1: Mm. Karen there's I think there's a number of things so maybe if we look at the the employee level um managing time and schedules effectively is probably one of the most basic things but it is one of the most important things If you can't organise yourself and if you can't organise your work and your time, you are going to find it very difficult to to cope in a situation where you have a little bit more autonomy, um, where um, your colleagues don't remind you of what you need to do. And and in order to to cope with your stress and manage your stress, it's really important to, to look at time management and managing yourself. Um, you know, understanding what your your strengths are, understanding your personality um, um, makeup. Um, it's interesting. Where I've I've seen on a on a personal level, I've seen I've know I know a couple of people where um, they need a little bit more structure, um, and the structure that they got from the office environment is not necessarily at home, and they really really struggled because there was not a um, a secretary or a PA, you know, sitting next to mm. you almost all the time and helping you to, to, to manage your stuff. So time management, um, personal management, extremely important. Other thing is I'm ensuring that you um, find a good balance between work and life and um, being able to put boundaries in place um, in terms of when you work, um, when you spend time on important home roles, Um, understanding when it's um, important to take a break, understanding when your workload is too high, and then also be able to to voice that, to have the the courage and to have the communication skills to voice it when when things are not not going well with you. Um, Another skill, which is maybe not a a soft skill, but um, um, upskill yourself in terms of technology and collaboration tools. We know there's so many out there, and for some people, it's very easy to cope with these and deal with these and to learn, um, you know, Google if you don't know how to to um, work with these tools. But um, it, it is one of the most basic things that can cause a lot of frustration if people don't have the, I again, want to say I have the courage to upskill themselves with with the new technologies. And um And another very important one, and that's a little bit one of my hobby horses, is self-directed learning. People need to be Mm -hmm. self-directed learners. Um, People need to be encouraged to take time for self-development, for self-reflection, for learning. Yeah, so that they actually realize I, you know, I need to do a little bit more of that or I know where to find the answers or I can solve the problem in this way or that way. So that's, that's maybe on an employee level, but I think we shouldn't forget that from a manager perspective, uh, it is, um, managers would need to be trained to cope with um, being a manager in this hybrid world of work as well. You know, looking at um, how they communicate, um, how they communicate to employees, what is expected of them. Um how the hybrid work model might impact their, their roles and their responsibilities. So communication is extremely important. And then um, empathy and interpersonal skills for managers, um, including things like providing and receiving feedback, um, is, is very important in, in this environment where we find ourselves these days. Absolutely. I think
0: that I uh, share your... Your your drive for for getting people to to follow a very self directed learning path because we're not going to keep pace unless we set that cadence and I think that's one of the biggest things that people within organisations are struggling with, is that shift to from being you know told what training I can go on and when I can go on it, to actually making learning almost a habit and learning in the
1: flow of work a habit. Absolutely, you know, on a daily basis, I very very often. We ask in our team, so what did you learn this week? What did you learn last week? And sometimes people, you know, it's very hard to to say, I learned that or I learned that. But mm. on a daily basis, you must learn something new. I learned this morning how to make a bookmark. I mean, it's a very basic thing um, on on Word, but I feel very chuffed with myself <laughs> in a hyperlink at the bookmark. So that's my learning for today.
0: I think that's fantastic, and I think it is important. that It doesn't all have to be that serious, but just exercise that muscle of learning. And it's something we, you know, I, I do feel that learning becomes foreign to us when we step into an organization, and it shouldn't be. It should be as natural as as picking something up on Pinterest or learning to to do anything. It should just be that next reach reach for, and that we do anyway in our personal lives. We just need to apply that more in an organizational context.
1: Yeah, and there's there's so many opportunities out there. Um absolutely. Of course, you need to be able to distinguish between uh, false news and what is good information, and being able to be critical. And but some basic things, like it's, I mean, Google is one of my best friends these days. Absolutely, absolutely. There's
0: nothing you can't Google. But yes, you do need to have some some level of of savviness around you to. To kind of you know sift through what is out there because in this day and age, anybody with a a camera and a a microphone is a self-proclaimed expert. (laughs) Almost yes, (laughs) absolutely. So, Karina, one of the biggest things as well in hybrid's world of work that I'd like to just bring up is trust. Now, trust was is critically important. It always has been within you know face-to-face teams, etc. But it becomes even more important. When we step into this hybrid world of work, how do we actually go about cultivating it? Because trust is one of those beautiful suitcase terms that means everything, but nobody really knows exactly what to do to build it or to maintain it, or most importantly, what to do when it's been broken.
1: Yeah, Karen, we know that trust or in teams where there's trust and They are more successful in terms of collaboration and they perform better than teams without trust. But uh, the question is whether one can create the same level of trust via a Zoom call or via a Mm. Teams chat. Um, I think teams and organisations where there was a healthy level of trust prior to moving into this hybrid workspace really might find it easier to maintain the trust. Um, But of course, with, with extra effort. And I also think it's very difficult for new employees to, to cultivate trust. And um, if digital means are the only option that, that they have to communicate. Um, and of course, it's also difficult for an already established team to build trust with this new person that's coming into the into the, the team. But there's I think there's a number of things that one that need to happen um, in order to create an um, environment where trust can be cultivated. Um, As a first step, um, it's important to include your people in the conversation about what what is our work situation going to look like in this company? What's the shape? What's the expectations? Um, So really bring in their their voice as well and bring that into the conversation. And in the process, they will realise that it's not all about the process and the bottom line, but that their values and their um, needs as employees um, actually also matter. Then I think what is important is that um, we need to make sure that teams know what their goals and their objectives are and also allow them to to try and achieve these goals and objectives in a relatively independent, autonomous way. I mean, if they have a clear understanding of, of, the outcomes of the project or, or the envisioned outcomes of the project, then you should, should allow them to um, find their own way of, of getting to these outcomes and allow them to make mistakes and learn from those. Um, and then, of course, I've, I've mentioned it already, but I cannot highlight the effort that needs to go into effective communication enough. Um, employees that were previously part of an in office team can easily feel isolated. I mean in an in an office, open office, you hear everything, you hear all the talk, even if what is being discussed and um, doesn't form part of your your own core task, but it it keeps you connected. So communication, extra effort needs to go into to communication. And um maybe as a as a a, a last point is to 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 create the sense of belonging. Um, I think it's important that one needs to uh, um, try and create um, opportunities um, uh, defining shared moments or creating memories and stories that reinforce you know, who the team is, who that um, what's the identity of the team. And um, we know shared uh, virtual experiences are. It can also be a type of, of a shared moment. Um, but one has to be much more intentional about these moments um, because on when it's in a digital format, because we know um, in the office, these moments very often ha- happen spontaneously. But we, you you have to actually plan a little bit more um, around creating a space where we can share these these moments.
0: I love that. Adopting more planned spontaneity to draw. Yeah. trust. <laughs> yeah, I think it that's a
1: a bit fantastic. Like a contradiction in
0: terms, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but absolutely, if you wanted, I mean, it's 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 the same as a marriage, right? When it gets when it gets into that twenty-year mark, you do need to to plan some of those spontaneous things you you did when you were younger, and I think it's a bit like that as well. You know, we've just got to become a little bit better and, I suppose, deliberate in our practice. You know, again understanding why we're doing these things, and then looking at the best tools to to achieve that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Fantastic, I have really enjoyed the series with you, uh, Dr. Debrain or Corinna. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, for those listeners that are perhaps joining in for the first time, this is part six um, of our six part series, and we've been covering the power skills that individuals need to develop if they are to remain relevant, both now and in the future. Joining me in, these, in this series of conversations has been Dr. Corinna DeBrain, and she is the director of JVR Academy, a company that, of course, specializes in customized solutions to develop critical workplace power skills. Thank you so much, Dr. Karina.
1: Thank you, Karen, and thank you for the opportunity. I also really enjoyed it. And all your questions made me really think about our own situation at JVR as well, our our own, own teams. I've done a lot of reading, so lots of benefit for me as well. But I also think that, um, the the series just demonstrated that in a world where one person gets up in the morning, and uh, where the other person is um, going to bed almost across the you know the <laughs> crossing borders, it is quite possible to get things done even if you're far far away from each other.
0: Absolutely fantastic! Thank you so much. Thank you.